Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, New Media for the New Millennia. This is a history and a current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom. With all that, get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abibitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. And the live stream should be streaming there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free radio app. And then that tune in search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program. With the live stream on the tune in app, drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com. Again, that's time for an awakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Of various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make it one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, and uh, uh, we're in open forum this evening. No guest schedule. Uh, you'll be the special guest. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. If you don't have anything on your mind, me and Richard will come up with some things, and we always do. But you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, 
our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked, suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors, or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. 
It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's uh, 7-12 here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellen. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. Um, you know, I had a family gathering yesterday. <laughs> hey, you know, we, hey, we did the... Okay, uh, uh, hopefully I won't be offensive to the time for waking audience. We did the Negro thing. We ate crabs and drinks, uh, ate shrimp and talked smack the whole time. <laughs> what was the primary reunion you had, Richard? No, it was just, you know, a, a gathering, you know, my brother decided we needed to get together and my sister, you know, pulled over. but it just reminds me these, these kind of, uh, activities how important they are in order to one create this intergenerational communication between you know our family members um to to um just keep us together but you know as always um besides um personal assessments of each individual the discussions around politics domestic and foreign comes into the discussion also and that that's uh that's always interesting of what position do you take? You know, the, you, you're going to try to inform, be the outsider and argue, or, you know, let people just talk smack. Excuse me. <laughs> well, Richard, um, you know, you, you mentioned about the family gatherings and the intergenerational conversations. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, that kind of reminds me of uh, maybe some of the subjects that we might touch on this evening because this government that we live under and the Europeans that facilitate policy is uh, now trying to dictate family discussions, if you understand what I'm saying, Richard. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Intergenerational, intercontinental, uh, 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 every aspect. It's necessary for it to be monitored and controlled. Uh, I want to, I know you want to mention some things about that this evening. There's a couple other things I want to throw in the discussion also uh, as we go forward. Uh, some of the conversations that we've had in the past couple of weeks, I just want to give some updates because it's, uh, it's some information that we need to, to take a look at. And also, Richard, I want to throw in during the course of the program, this uh, uh, executive order or policy or whatever that Biden just instituted or, or proposed or put forth about student loan forgiveness, $10,000. Mm. Um, I want to talk about a little bit of that and give the audience something to, uh, to really think about when they looking at this. Because uh, it might be a little something different than what we expect. I'll just put it that way until, uh, until we, uh, you know, until I, I throw some things out there, you know, for the, uh, the audience to, to glance at. And they can also look up, look, look up some of the information, maybe come back with some more, uh, or just, uh, just discuss it, which, which would be good anyway. But, um, uh, 
I guess one of the first things we can start out with was some of the things you were discussing, Richard, because I, I think it's a timely conversation, and it's being had right now, whether we're involved in it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yes, and 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 when we're you know what we're talking about is this um, you know America's um, foreign policy positioning towards Africa, um, which is interesting because in some circles right now. There is with um, amongst African Americans, and I think it's a as you mentioned about generational thing. There's a generational discussion which it seems to be singularly focused on um, continental Africans who have immigrated um, to America, and it's and it's put under the um, uh, immigration you know concern about Americans' immigration policy, but it's also concerned about. Um, making the distinction between, um, and when I say continental Africans, you know, to look at the continent, but immigrants that are coming here, and it seems that African Americans of a certain of, of of this particular generation is concerned in relationship to um, their access and and the and the, and how that access is impacting, you know. Um, native-born Americans of African uh, descent or a- African an- ancestry, and when when we see we were having discussion about um, Bilkin going, you know, and um, and and going to looking at um, or having discussions. Well, first it was Biden setting up that he's going to host a African summit um, in December. December. But then Bilkin um, goes and makes a tour. Was that like two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Um, yeah, I think it was three weeks. Mm-hmm. And, I, and one thing I wanted to do was to give us um, context because the question about uh, America um, foreign policy outreach, the question is how does it serve? And I think this is important for um, um, native-born American Africans, African-Americans, how does American foreign policy, as it relates to the continent, um, benefit those of us who who are marginally disadvantaged within America, right? Um, And I I wanted to, because this, in some um, reporting, they're calling this um, a Cold War policy 2.0 in the sense of of now Russia and China and how America must position itself in order to um, to have some secure footing on the continent. And if it's okay, Elliot, I, mean, I wanted to take like two and a half minutes, you know, because I think they did a good contextual framework of what um, Bilkin's um, 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 movement is to do as far as I'm calling it softening up before the conference, but it's also some other things that are going on. But I think, again, what I'm interested in, how does that benefit us? Not how does it benefit the American empire, um, American corporate interests, but how does that benefit um, African-Americans? And how is this in context to um, this generational concern about um, 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 African immigrants and what is, the, you know, what is their interest to African Americans, especially those who are um, m- uh, marginally displaced. So if it's okay, I wanted to just, 
if it if it comes across, play this script for context. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me see if I can do this. As always, Africa's fortunes depend on a lot of factors, a lot of outside factors. Until World War II, the entire continent was carved up by world powers. It was a hotbed of exploitation and discrimination. Seven decades later, the world powers are back. Russia, the U.S., and China. First to visit was Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister of Russia. He traveled to Egypt, Ethiopia, Uganda, and Congo. Lavrov's visit had two objectives. A, to show that his country still has allies. Many African countries have refused to condemn Russia's war in Ukraine. Lavrov's visit was supposed to reaffirm those ties. And B, to control Africa's resources. I'm talking about both human and natural resources. Africa is home to 30% of global mineral reserves. It is also an emerging market for foreign products. Russia wants a chunk of both. Now, Lavrov's visit was back in July. Two weeks later, the U.S. has dispatched their foreign minister, Secretary of State Antony Blinken. He landed in South Africa earlier this week. He kicked off his visit with this promise. The United States will not dictate Africa's choices. Neither should anyone else. The right to make these choices belongs to Africans and Africans alone. Sounds like a good line, doesn't it? One of those statements that history books tend to like. But beyond that, does it signify anything? The whole point of Blinken's visit is to build up U.S. influence. He may not be saying it, but Blinken's message is quite clear. Do not pick Russia or China. Is that not dictating choices? Why else did Blinken rush to Africa immediately after Lavrov? So let's keep the romanticism aside for a moment. Let's focus on the power play. Blinken's schedule is politically significant. His first stop is South Africa. Their government has traditionally been neutral to global conflicts. In Ukraine, too, they have not picked a side. At the same time, South Africa is key to the continent's future. A, it is politically stable, and B, it is the second largest African economy. So good ties with South Africa are high on America's agenda. Blinken's second stop is the Congo, one of the most richly endowed African countries. It has deposits of diamond, gold, copper, cobalt, tin, and lithium, all crucial minerals. The U.S. is hoping to gain access to these deposits, or if they can't access them, at least keep Russia and China out. The final stop is Rwanda, an important ally of the United States. It is also involved in a conflict in eastern Congo, so Blinken will be hoping to hit two birds with one stone use his leverage over Rwanda to ease the tensions in the Congo. Will it work? You'll find out soon enough. On paper... There is a, a, a broader strategy that, um, that is at play for the U.S. in the context of trying to position themselves. And, and later in this year, um, this, this, you know, uh, reporting, it goes that even how the U.S. has to deal with its um the european allies like you know because of france and france involvement britain's involvement um and on the continent and how the u.s is positioning itself but one one of the and and what she said in the sense of um bringing out um u.s saying that you know african Poor Africans are to make their own decisions, right? And that the, the U.S. is not to dictate. Well, that, you know, if um, people go to the August 8th 
2022 vital partners um, um, Blinken's um, um, shared priorities. The um, Biden administration sub-Sahara Africa strategy. This is a strategy. And 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 for me, Elliot, and and I, and I wanted to, to to get your your view on this. Shouldn't we, we being African Americans, uh, and I'm always um, looking at it for those who, of us who are um, marginally displaced within the American Empire, in the sense that we're dealing with crime that isn't because of us; it's because of economic the economic. Um, the, displacement that we're placed in. We're dealing with poverty that isn't because of us. Again, um, because of the economic displacement and even to the article that you're going to bring up about um, the education, you know, this $10,000, we're dealing with the mismatch of of African-American skills in relationship to being uh, um, integrated in the American economic system so that we have a better positioning as Americans. Will this Africa strategy, for some of us who think that African, Africa strategy should, since there, um, we, some of us think that Africa is our natural allies, is our, is our natural market trade relationship, but we make that, shouldn't we be looking at it from that vantage point more than just that it's going to benefit uh, America's geopolitical positioning or American uh, corporations when she mentioned about um, minerals. Richard, listen, um, I think some of us might be looking at this all wrong. You mentioned in the beginning when you started speaking about how um, uh, some members of our, our folks, and and you, I think you mentioned like a younger uh, generation, is looking at this from an immigrant standpoint. Didn't you mention that? Yes. Now, we might be doing that. We might fall victim to that game. These Europeans that's making these policies, Richard, they're not dealing with it like that. They're not even thinking about that. To them, that's foolishness. To us, it should be foolishness too. Because they're looking at both of us the same. We are. But they're, they're dealing with both of us the same way. You understand where I'm going, Richard. Yes. Now, let's, let's look at it from just a, a policy standpoint. Being that we're disconnected, now, no matter how we want to feel about this American project or this America, our roots stem from the continent. That's what we are. We're Africans living in America. So it's always going to be a connection there, whether we personally want it or not. You agree, Richard? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way I see it. Now, I, let, now, I use the term natural market. That's our natural market. Okay. Our natural Now, let's, let's look at it on a global perspective. United States made trade agreements with 
Latin America and Mexico, if you remember. I think it was doing, they do it during almost every administration. But the popular one happened during the Clinton administration and when they made those trade agreements. Right. So when you have these stores here, because they bring all these Latinos and put them in your neighborhoods, they don't just end up in the United States and end up in your neighborhoods with, with, uh, with convenience stores. That's a plan, Richard, on both sides. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So when they're here, believe me, Richard, the United States writes up these agreements. They're agreed to by, just say, for example, I'm, I'm using the, uh, 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 the Latino trade agreements or Mexican trade agreements. They're agreed to, and the people that's here, whether these Latinos is from Colombia, wherever they're from, believe me, they're well-versed in the agreements. When they have their meetings among themselves in every city, they're well-versed in these agreements because they're getting products from their brethren on their, their, their mother continents or mother countries. Uh, it's, it's, it's products and services going back and forth. They need to be well aware of what's going back and forth. The money exchange, the products exchange. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's necessary for them to be well-versed in these agreements because it benefits both of them, whether they're still in the, uh, Columbia or whether they're here in your neighborhoods that your children is going in there saying poppy to they're benefiting them on both sides. Look at this Asian Pacific uh, uh, Pacific Island agreement that they was bickering about, I think, in the beginning when Biden went in. The Asian trade agreements that they're dealing with now. All of those things benefit Asians here that got stores in your neighborhoods. All of them are familiar with those trade agreements because it's goods that's coming over here, that's in those stores, that's in the, some of the markets where some of the Asian stores buy from. They have to be familiar with all of these things. They benefit both the ones that are still in their mother continent and the ones that are here doing business. Okay, let's flip that script. Let's look at our areas. That's full, like you just stated about the, the unemployment, the poverty, the violence, the hunger, the homelessness. The things going on on our mother continent, we don't benefit from at all. Trade agreements or anything else. America might benefit from it, and especially white America, and maybe a, a sprinkling of a couple of blacks that they uh, plan to use for purposes. But these urban communities, these, these rural communities, some of our people that go back and forth, we don't benefit from any of these things. We're caught up in, oh, I don't want that guy, he's African, I don't want him coming in my neighborhood, and all this type of uh, amateur conversations. They're not having those. They bring people here so they can get stuff started between family members. 
we need to pay more attention to what they're trying to do on our mother continent because it can be stopped. We are both, whether we come from the continent and I'm talking about like immigrants coming here or whether we've been here two, three, 400 years, we all suffer the same thing. Colonialism or neocolonialism enacted by the same people. So unless we develop strategies to defeat that, it's we're going to be fighting this same generational fight, almost like that clip that I played by Minister Farrakhan, where he says we don't have to, we don't, shouldn't be passing this stuff down to generation after generation. I'm just making mention of that, Richard, in, 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 in congruence with what you're talking about as far as uh, being familiar with what they're trying to do. But go ahead. And, and, it, and it's, in, you know, from my vantage point, and, then, you know, you raise a point for me in the sense of why we need to be the, Im, the immediate, it was in the middle as African-Americans in relationship to these trade agreements. And that... Um, I don't know if this is a fanciful or magical thinking, but it, it comes out of our historical perspective of we should be operating from that nation management, as you say, to be aware of these agreements and see where our interests, you know, should be served by them compared to those agreements um, serving others. But something you said goes to what Bilkin um, you know, in that ad- address and laying out his the American foreign policy, and it was four points to it. She spoke to the first one in the sense that they were um, not going to tell um, these African countries what to do. But I thought it was interesting in the second point of of this strategy. Um, what and, and I, hopefully I, I, I captured. I'm looking for. Um, yes, here we go. Um, to, because the second point, it says, uh, of that strategy. So this brings me to our second priority, working with African partners to fulfill the promise of democracy. So democracy is what the issue that they're going to assist is a part of their strategy. The overwhelming majority of people across Africa prefer democracy to any other form of government. Even greater majorities oppose the authoritarian alternative to democracy, more than the 70% reject military rule, more than 80% reject one-man one rule, according to the African-based polling organization, Africa Barometer. African citizens want democracy, that is clear. The question, the question is whether African governments can make democracy deliver by improving the lives of their citizens in tangible ways. Hold on to that thought. Improving the lives of their citizens in tangible ways. That is a challenge that is not unique to Africa. It is one facing democracies in every part of the world, including the United States. I thought that was interesting. Because as we look at it from our self-interest, Obviously, American democracy has not benefited a people who have been here 400 years have decided to stay here in spite of all the cultural, military, terrorism policy that has been in it, it, it against its development here, even to 
the skill development need to flourish here. Or as we heard in that clip, she played in relationship to the relationship that um, uh, um, U.S. will have with South Africa. But didn't we just have a discussion of how um, the U.S. white farmers have with South African farmers and moving them here and paying them more than African-American farmers that have been working those farms for 20 years? Is that the kind of relationship that the U.S. foreign policy has will work out and will it work? And is that working in the best interest of a people who identify themselves as American and should be the intermediaries in relationship to American foreign policy as it benefits not just the American nation state, but a benefit American citizen, as the examples you just gave with the um, Asian trade agreement, the South American trade agreement, and here you have um, America, even as it's talking to Africa, they ain't talking to us, saying they failed to represent democracy. They just talking to Africans say, yeah, well, yeah, we ain't did it. Y'all ain't doing it right. We ain't did it right either. I think that's another important point to reemphasize why, as you said, when we're when they're creating these policies and they're creating these trade agreements, why we should not just be aware of them, but we should be navigating, marshalling, massaging those policies so that they benefit our interests. Is that thinking out? Is that is that is that crazy thinking, Elliot? I don't. I'm, maybe I'm. Uh, I mean, I I know this is well, no. That's that, that's thinking. That's thinking in our own interests and in our own best interests. Because these Europeans are thinking in their own best interests, and they're using certain black faces to their advantage. And a lot of them are willing partners. I'm not saying they're being they're being forced at all. No, but they're willing no. partners. And, and, and as we we discussed earlier, and this, I mean, we're what we're supposed to do is tie all this together. When we talk about um, who is on the um, foreign um, foreign policy um, foreign foreign affairs uh, committee in the is that in the Congress? Um, the African American as head of of that committee at this point that created the the um, recent policy that. Um, provided the opportunity i apologize y'all you know my mind slipping but um wait, wait, who is the who is the head of that far the foreign foreign affairs com, uh, committee in uh, for the representatives but his his point oh you're talking uh, about gregory meeks yes yes yeah, well you i'll know. share something about him in this uh this article <laughs> right. i'm, I'm gonna read I mean, that's the point in relationship to, and I'll just close with this, because not only is Bilkin and and Biden, um, Bilkin's um, um, massaging the way, Biden's going to pull them together. They've already, this is July 26, uh, 2022 report. Ambassador Kathleen Tai to host an African Growth and Opportunity Act ministerial meeting during African Leaders Summit on December 13th, 2022. 
Do we have a African? Do we have an African American Leaders Summit in relationship to growth and opportunity? Mm. And it, and it, and it goes, you know. So so that's that's. I'll I'll just and guess where it's being held in South Africa. The following December 13th ministry, ministerial, the next meeting of the annual U.S. Sub-Sahara African Trade and Economic Cooperation Forum will be held in South Africa in 2023. To your point, should we be up on this and should we um, be in the middle and should we have the right kind of leadership that reflects our interest to where it drills down to the most vulnerable so that we can benefit from these relationships. Because if we ain't benefiting, we have to ask the question, who is? Oh, we already know who is. There you go. <laughs> we already know. Richard, let me, uh, it's an article I want to share, and it goes to uh, uh, something that one of uh, the uh, listeners to the program, Brother Otis, uh, talked about. He shared with us in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I do that, let me, if you go to the, the listening audience, if they go to the uh, U.S. Policy Towards Africa, I think it's state.gov, and look at there, it's five points there. But, you know, Europeans just can't. You can't. What's that? Uh, I think uh, uh, Gamble and Huff wrote a song. I forgot who song. I think it was uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Note sung it. You can't hide from yourself everywhere you go. There you are. Right. You know, they can't, whatever they say, the spirit that's in them always comes out. And I want to read this fourth point because they got five points that they kind of is touting in this policy towards Africa. They got another one for sub-Saharan Africa, but uh, I, I just want to read. And, you know, let me say this before I read this, Richard. You mentioned that uh, one of them said that a large percentage of Africans on the continent uh, appreciate democracy or something like that. Didn't you say that, Richard? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, here's a news flash for Europeans. All of these forms of government that you see now on this planet stem from the continent. So our people are very much familiar with these forms of government when Europeans was running around abusing one another halfway on all fours before they stood up straight. The problem is, it's not democracy necessarily. It's the capitalism that's involved, which leads to abuse. That's the problem, Richard. Mm. And here, uh, when that, uh, that this form of government was started here, you were the capital that was being exchanged, that millions and billions of dollars was derived from. And you still are, to be honest. Now, I don't want to say you, but we. We all in this together. But let me read this fourth point before I share this other article, Richard. And there's some other things I want to throw out to the listening audience, too, so uh, uh, the callers can get involved. This is from the U.S. Policy Towards Africa, from the State Department. Um, let me 
the fourth point here. It says fourth. Now check this out. Listen to the language, Richard. Fourth, conflict. The United States plays an important role in promoting peace and stability in Africa. Listen, that's bullshit from the beginning. Period. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Says the United States plays an important role in promoting peace and stability in Africa. We recognize that millions of Africans grapple with daily growing insecurity from crime to violent extremism to internal armed conflict. We engage diplomatically with African regional and international leaders and institutions to reduce and end conflicts in the African countries, such as Ethiopia, Sudan, Somalia, Mozambique, Cameroon, Mali. Because violence in these places steals the futures of, of Africans. Wait a minute, Richard. Africans is gra- grappling with growing insecurity from crime, violent extremists, and armed conflict. I mean, w- w- what are you talking about? Who, who are you talking to? I mean, is America exempt from that? Mm. Who put you in a moral position to talk about with some, and half of this stuff, no, more than half of it is fueled by you. These Europeans that's putting this crap out here, it's fueled by them. Let me continue. These conflicts have given rise to terrible atrocities such as gang rape and exit ethnic targeting and creating humanitarian disasters like child uh, uh, malnutrition and forced displacement of millions of people. These conflicts set back development and fuel cycles of, of grievance uh, that perpetuate insecurity. We also provide assistance designed to professionalize African security forces so they can better protect their citizens. You need the United States to do this, Richard. Mm. Uh, So they can better protect their citizens, secure their borders, and cooperate with neighbors to combat common threats. We're providing our African partners with training and equipment. We stress the need for concrete action to meet humanitarian standards and ensure accountability for instances of abuse. So we're going to hold them accountable, Richard. They don't live up to our standards. Uh, uh, we're going to hold them accountable for instances of abuse. I mean, I, I really can't believe what I'm reading. These people are so arrogant. It just oozes out of them. I don't give a damn if people don't like it. Oh, that's a bigoted statement. It's true. Read it for yourself. Listening audience, go to the site, go to the site and read it for yourself and see what you get out of it. It says, uh, let me finish. We are mindful of the root causes of conflict, which include marginalization, exclusion, lack of economic opportunity. Oh, wait a minute. Ho, 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 Richard, hold it. What did I just read? L- let me read that the, again. 
We are mindful of the root causes of conflict, which include marginalization, exclusion, and lack of economic opportunity. Wait a minute. Are you talking about Africa, continent, or are you talking about Philadelphia? <laughs> there you go. New York, Baltimore. These, these, these people, man, I'm telling you. <clears throat> Let me finish it, Richard. I'll read that portion again. We are mindful of the root causes of conflict, which include marginalization, exclusion, and lack of economic opportunity. To address these conditions, we partner with Africa, African governments, the private sector, and civil society to promote good governance and expand economic opportunity, especially for youth, women, and minority populations. The absence of peace and prosperity drives a migration that is destabilizing to neighboring countries and regions. <laughs> we promote good governance and expand economic opportunities, especially to youth, women, and minority populations. How are you on the African continent talking about some minority population? Well, what the hell are you talking? What these people, I'm telling you, Richard, the pride and arrogance of them, it, you're not going to change that. It can't be changed. I can't believe what I just read. Hey. This is in their policy. This is nothing backdoor that they don't want you to read. This is their policy towards your mother continent and towards your family that you've been ripped from for the past two, three hundred years. They don't want you dealing with them. They're going to deal with them. And deal with the same problems they say they're dealing with that is being caused here from the, the challenge that they're creating here. Oh, my like, goodness. Uh, man, Richard, let me, let me read this. And, uh, it's a couple other topics I want to throw into the mix, but let me read this. This was, uh, and, and, and I think, uh, brother Otis uh, was at one of these meetings and he can clear me up if he wasn't, I, I know uh, he had some challenges with where he was at, where he couldn't come on because of the location he was at before. But let me read this. This was came from a published report in black agenda report. And uh, the header says, West wants to change regimes for itself. Africans strategize against Western-backed leaders toward freedom. Uh, this uh, Silver Springs, Maryland. The United States and its European allies only care about human rights violations when it benefits them. That's what a few dozen members of the Horn of Africa and East African diaspora agreed upon as they gathered August 13th outside of Washington, D.C. The regional conference of the National Unity Platform, a political party in Uganda, brought together members of the country's diaspora from the New York City and Washington metro areas to strategize how to tackle U.S. meddling that props up leaders. The West wants regime change for itself, not for Africans. We remember Libya, says Dr. Bahanu Tay, chair of the Global Ethiopian Advocacy Nexus and member of the Ethiopian Public Affairs Committee. He was referring to the 2011 U.S.-NATO invasion 
that turned the most prosperous African country into a war zone that hosts slave markets. This continues the process of extracting material wealth for the benefit of the colonial powers. Loan programs through the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank are seen as tools to subjugate and profit off of oppressed countries. Tay refers to Western aid as opium. Encourage conference attendees to get better organized for struggle. Aid is not only an instrument of Western neocolonialism, but of underdevelopment. The party's regional conference included attendees and speakers from countries outside of East Africa and the Horn of Africa, including Chad, Nigeria, Senegal, Sierra Leone, Guinea-Bissau. Let me just read one more portion here. Um, The meeting notes from the August 8th convening of the National uh, United Nations Security Council shows officials pointing out the Ugandan government's support for uh, Daesh affiliate group. I, I know I butchered that name. The violence in the Dominican, uh, in, in the uh, Republic of Congo, has internally displaced 5.6 million Congolese, while 990,000 take shelter across the African continent. In February, the International Court of Justice ordered Uganda to pay 325 million in reparations to uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, of the Congo. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce International Trade Administration encourages U.S. companies to do business in the Democratic Republic of Congo, citing tens of trillions of dollars in mineral wealth. The Congo is one of the most blessed places on earth, says Tay. Sadly, the agents in the neighborhood, Kagami and Museveni, are facilitators of looting the Congo for the West. Non-governmental organizations, such as Global Witnesses, reported in April that that 90% of the minerals coming out of the Democratic Republic of Congo mining areas are shown to have come from mines that do not meet security or human rights standards. Companies relying on minerals from such mines include a U.S.-based Apple, Intel, and Tesla. Aid that comes in the front door with tens of millions of dollars is a mirage, says Carney. The United States has distributed $618 billion in aid to Uganda since 2001. Billions go out the back door in the form of extraction of resources. The conference moderator, Joseph Saninu, said, Sanjonu, said that the, the party's arm has attempted to encourage U.S. representatives, Karen Bass, chair of the Subcommittee on Africa, uh, Global Health and Global Human Rights, international organizations, and the House Subcommittee on Foreign Affairs, 
We have encouraged her. She has done nothing, he says. So Janu uh, added Representative Gregory Meeks have been unhelpful. Meeks chairs the Committee on Foreign Affairs and has introduced a U.S. House bill that would punish African countries for bypassing U.S. sanctions on Russia. Linda Thomas-Greenfield said in an August speech, August 5th speech in Ghana, that the U.S. sanctions are not to blame for the wheat shortage, all while threatening action if African countries buy Russian fossil fuels. However, cutting off Russia uh, from global payments systems, preventing it from trading wheat, a major Russian export. What does this mean for African countries that have relied on Russia for 32% of wheat imports? Africa is going to be punished, says Janono, and he told the conference attendees. So we see, Richard, what exactly is going on behind the scenes. It's talk like they want to give help, but it's pressure being exerted and leaders being chosen to run certain countries in Africa, key countries. You see some of the Africans pointed out these two guys in the Congo as being facilitators for the United States, mm-hmm. for, for Apple, for Tesla, and for Intel, extracting trillions of dollars from these mines that are unsafe. And you know who's down there working them. Right. So, I, I, you know, our people got to realize what is going on. Now, wait a minute. And you notice that they said that they asked for help from representatives here, black representatives. And it mentions in particular Karen Bass and Meeks. And they receive no help at all. And then mm-hmm. receive a scolding speech from Linda Thomas-Greenfield when she was in Ghana on August 5th. Why don't they, why ain't this talked about on Black Talk Radio? Why ain't this the topic of conversation on uh, 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 the Golden Eagle, uh, Al Sharpton? You don't have that other many shows. Topics like that are discussed on Carl Nelson, but I, he, I'm putting him aside for now because his show is different than any of these other shows. Why aren't these topics ta- brought up? When they mention people like Bass and, 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 and Greenfield, it's always accolades. But what about all this other ugly stuff that's going on behind the scenes? You don't think that you, as a black person living in America, got a right to know what these people are doing against our best interests? You know, um, it just brings more and more that we need to fluff out because, you know, we, you know, on one hand we say we recognize that um, we have a history here. We we have um, principles that have guided us through this here journey in America where freedom was defined and, and making that distinction of what freedom is, um, you know, different um, than what freedom was. As you said, freedom for um, European Americans um, was that um, Africans or now those of African descent or those who now identify as freemen or Afri- you know African Americans were property. Freedom was okay. That that freedom 
of maintaining that property, you know, even for them to go to war was okay. But African-American, you know, um, had a different notion of freedom. Um, when Haiti gained, gained his independence, um, the notion of freedom was that Haiti was just to overthrow an unjust governing system and to provide um, access for all only African, African-American. And that's in that period. Even, you know, up to um, a lot of people feel that um, what happened in Libya was not just. It could not have been just. Those people were not living in any condition, no matter what you thought or felt. But look at the state of that now. That is that, for as African-Americans, is that the type of policy that we endorse? And if that's so, then some, something, I mean, that's something that we have to wrestle with internally. Because I don't believe the majority of us, and it isn't, it isn't clear within our own history that that was just. Going into other countries and actually accusing them of something they didn't do and then blowing them to oblivion and creating a, a situation for people worse than they ever had when they were dealing with the, as they define, now they're saying they're not going to define what is right for you. But then they define what was right and look at the condition of that country now. Mm-hmm. And look at the condition of our, our communities now. Oh, wow. There's a lot to be explored in there. Richard, I want to, uh, before we take a break, uh, got some calls on the line. I want to introduce a couple more subjects here. Um, you know, we talked last week, uh, and, uh, we'll be having, uh, uh, John Boy come on. Uh, I don't know whether it's next week, but uh, sometime in, uh, cause September's here. So sometime in September to talk about, uh, what has happened and the double cross by, uh, this government, both Democrats and Republicans, this government, uh, in reference to black farmers. Um, and if you remember what he said last week about when it was black farmers, that language was in it before they wanted him to change the language to farmers of color. You remember when he said that, Richard? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we see what happened with that. Let me read to you what, uh, you know, because some blacks want to run around and talk about their Americans. Well, let me read to you what your American government did and whether you as a black person had anything to do with that. Or do you know that they even did that? Or do you care? Let, let me read this because at the same time they was pulling the rug out from under black farmers that's supposed to be Americans. But like I stated before, you're only an American. You're only a citizen when it's convenient for them. The parameters of your citizenship is dictated by Europeans. Newsflash. Let me read this, Richard, from USAaid.gov. The United States announces 100 million Ukraine agriculture resilience initiatives. This was a press release. United States, through the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, 
has established $100 million agricultural resilience initiatives, Agra-Ukraine, to bolster Ukrainians' agricultural exploits and to help alleviate uh, the crisis exacerbated by the war in Ukraine. Agra-Ukraine will target Ukrainians' immediate agricultural challenges while also simultaneously supporting the wider needs of Ukraine's agricultural sector, bolstering bolstering Ukraine's continued production of agricultural commodities through 2023. The initiative will increase Ukrainian farmers' access to critical agricultural inputs, including seed, fertilizer, equipment, pesticides, to enhance Ukrainians' infrastructure capacity and capacity to efficiently export agricultural goods, increase farmers' access to financing, and expand the capacity of Ukrainian businesses to dry, temporarily store, and process agricultural commodities. USAID seeks to raise an additional $150 million for the initiative from fellow donors and private sector with an overall target of 250 more million. Agri-Ukraine builds a range of support uh, from providing the agricultural sector in wake of Russia's full-scale invasion, including providing over 8,000 Ukrainian farmers with their needs. 14% of the the country's registered agricultural enterprise to help them deliver this year's harvest uh, despite uh, their oppression. This effort will bolster the entire agricultural sector, safeguarding this majority economic engine for future generations of Ukrainians. You see that, Richard? Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of dollars is going to help their brethren now, I, listen, I ain't got no problem with that. They're Europeans. That's what they do. But you're supposed to be a citizen here. At least that's what black folks have been screaming. They took your money from in front of your face after they lied to you, both Democrats and Republicans, and given it to their brother. And for, wait a minute, Richard, for, for seed, for fertilizer, for pesticides, to train their farmers, so they can get their products to market for infrastructure, for capacity to efficiently export agricultural goods, and for financing to increase farmers' access to financing. Oh, wait a minute. Ain't that the same thing that the black farmers have been screaming about? Our people have been screaming about? They take this money and give it to other Europeans? Where is the black, where's your black representative saying something about this? Where are they at? Our people got to stop with this cheerleading stuff for these black elected officials. Where are they at? We can read. Uh, time for awakening. I'm talking about our audience. Oh, we got an intelligent audience. Share this with your family. Get them to start reading. These people are doing this stuff right in front of your face, and they're putting it in print. But You know, you know Elliot, as you just read that, and, and I know you, you, you want to go to the break, but it's just interesting, the coincidence, because in an article for coming out April 13th, 22, 
by the director of the World Health Organization, the chief. He said, world treats crisis differently depending on race, right? The world is treating humanitarian crises affecting black and white lives unequally with only a fraction of the attention on Ukraine giving elsewhere, the head of the World Health Organization said. The humanitarian crisis, now isn't they saying they're doing this because of the humanitarian crisis of, of the Ukraine in relationship to the wheat production, that they're, they're redirecting um, the, the, this money to them and not to black farmers? The humanitarian crises are not being given equal consideration, possibly because those suffering are not white, said who's director, General Tadeus Adahamu, and I'm messing up his name, I apologize, Gabricius. I ain't even got to go no further. Doesn't that reinforce the point that you're making? Wow. He questioned whether the world really gives equal attention to black and white lives, given that the ongoing emergency in Ethiopia, Yemen, Afghanistan, and Syria have garnered only a fraction of the global concern for Ukraine. (laughs) And didn't that that article say it would benefit the Ukrainians for not just now? Oh, yeah, 2023. Wait a minute. mm -hmm. The money so far that they have given will benefit their agricultural commodity production through 2023. But it said that they're looking to generate hundreds of millions more. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? They're going to give them hundreds of millions more. While you here that's supposed to be a citizen of this country had the rug pulled out from under you. Black farmers going to lose their land and their farms that's been in their families for generations to help white, their white brethren who ain't even citizens of this country. How do you like them apples, brothers and sisters? And, and make it clear that what we're projecting here. That is there a domestic relationship that white interests, uh, white state interests and their allies being black um, politicians, bureaucrats, uh, how they view black people here and how they view black people elsewhere, which ain't nothing new. Wow. I just thought that needed to be brought out. Richard, let me, let me share this before we go to break. Um, Brother Patrick on uh, Mississippi on the move on Thursday talked about this. Uh, I'm going to just play this clip in reference to they launched an Emmett Till alert this week. Uh, I think they're going to use it in Maryland. Um, Emmett Till is supposed to be an Amber type of alert. Now, if you notice, Richard, a couple of months ago, the anti the Emmett Till anti lynching bill passed, and you had Kamala Harris and Booker and them taking credit for it. Tim Scott, and now all of a sudden, after our people, including the Emmett Till family directly, and our people in general, didn't get justice for Emmett because the person that was involved that started this whole thing. Uh, is not going to be prosecuted from what they said. Now, all of a sudden, this app comes out, the Emmett Till alert. All of this stuff, smoke screens. Mm. Emmett can't get justice. Black folks can't get justice for this 
but we'll give you an app. We'll give you an anti-lynching bill. When these white supremacists ain't doing like they did when our, when our great-grandparents was alive, just running willy-nilly, grabbing the black person, just stringing him up. Now you've got the cops doing it. They're doing the lynching, but you can't touch them. They do it, and they just get off with it. Let me let me play this clip and see if you notice something a little strange in this what they're announcing in reference to this app. Let me let me play it, Richard. Norton, who is live with us here on Fox Five, sir. Good evening. Thanks for joining us here. Good afternoon. I'm the former um, civil rights director for the Office of the Maryland Attorney General, and we did today uh, launch our privately funded. Emmett Till alert system. And, and explain to me how this works, because in what, in what circumstance would you deploy this system? Well, first, let me just quickly say that this system is named after Emmett Till, who 67 years ago was murdered by white supremacists in Mississippi. Um, so what would happen is when there are hate crimes, and there have been many hate crimes in the state of Maryland, mm-hmm. we have put together an alert system that when a hate crime takes place, every black elected official in the state of Maryland will be notified. All major civil rights organizations, the NAACP, SCLC, the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, etc., will all be notified of a hate incident or a hate crime. This allows us to have a rapid response to hate crimes. We've had a number of hate crimes in Maryland. Uh, many of them have gone unsolved. And it's our hope that by putting this together, this alert system, mm-hmm. we will be able to inform the community how widespread hate crime is in the state of Maryland. So we mentioned we, we compare this to the Amber Alert system, but this would be different in that this would go to a select group of leaders, not necessarily deployed like we see with the Amber Alert on road signs or, or, or over That's broadcast. Correct. OK, uh, who makes that call? Who would determine what would be an Emmett Till alert? Well, and I should say this to you, there will come in three different uh, levels. One would be a low um, low level, two medium level, and of course third would be the highest level. And it's based on the severity of the crime. For example, mass shootings would be obviously a high crime. Vandalism would be in a low category. And that's call is made by myself and some other members who are retired law enforcement officials who will make the determination at what level of severity we should put this out. So there is there is nothing like Richard. It's only about another minute. I'm gonna play it. But uh, <laughs> what did you hear? Anything little kind of strange in what he said so far? I, I'm only going to be re- probably repeating what was said that just struck me. The government of okay, the government of Maryland. Private money, yeah. okay, uh huh, for it, and ex ex uh, police officers will be determining the severity, and and that these organizations, I guess that's only in the state of Maryland, will be alerted. Like, aren't yeah. they alerted anyway? Well, that, but wait a minute, that's what I was going to say. Now he just stated that all of these. Hate crimes that didn't happen in Maryland has went unsolved. So the civil rights, the the, um, the elected officials and certain civil rights groups, 
he mentioned the NAACP and a few others are going to be alerted. Because the guy asked him, he said, well, is it, is it like the Amber Alert where the general public will be alerted? Oh, no, just a select group. They ain't do nothing about these things that's been happening so far. So what the hell? You alert them for what? Now, believe me, Richard, I'm going to try to get my hands on this alert to see whether I can get it, uh, go through the Black Talk Radio Network or whatever, so we can have access to it. But you're just going to alert the NAACP uh, 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 elected officials for what? What are they planning to do that they haven't done already? Nothing. Privately funded. Who's these private funds coming from? Who is it? Why don't you reveal that? And as cops, it's going to, as former cops, is going to determine who gets what. Come on, man. I, you know, so, some of this stuff, man, I'm telling you, they, they, they think that black folks are stupid. And they're using blacks to do it. And got a nerve to name it Emmett Till. And, and you know, Ellie, I, I'll, I'll give, an, if you don't mind, I'll give another spin. They know they're powerless, and they have to keep coming up with things to give them some sense. Because young people are aware that they are powerless, that these things are going unsolved, that they do not um, make themselves the information known to the general public. They know about it. And because of that, now they got to come up with something like they they doing something. Oh my goodness! And na- and name it Emmett Till. After Emmett can't get justice, this this, this I don't know this white animal that caused all of this stuff to happen caused him to be snatched by her animal brother in law and husband. She walks around. I don't give a damn if she's one foot in the grave or she's in a nursing home. So what? So what? She should be prosecuted. It's a warrant out for it. Let me finish this. This in place across the country, but in the process of let me go back just a little bit like this in place across energy. We should put this out. So there is there is nothing like this in place across the country, but in the process of coming up with the framework for this, have you have you received interest from other states or jurisdictions about maybe something similar going into effect elsewhere in the country? I predict that within a year, what we have started in Maryland will be something that will take off nationally. There will be states that will do it, and national organizations will put it in place. Let me just quickly say that for a viewing audience, many have forgotten that very recently in Buffalo, New York, 10 elderly black people going shopping in Buffalo, New York, did not come back home. FBI Director Christopher Ray has said the most serious threat to domestic security is white supremacy. We think that you, have, you need to take these threats very seriously. We're getting our community prepared because we think what's coming is not going to be nice. Mr. Snowden, I have one last question, and, and if you can respond quickly. Uh, we mentioned the circumstances in which this would be deployed. Uh, we had incidents in Baltimore where there were, there were elderly Korean uh, people uh, beaten up by a cinder block. Is this confined to the African-American community, or would this be for, for all incidents of hate across the state of Maryland? For all, for all instances of hate crime, um, it's really focused on people of color okay. who have many times been the victim, and Asians fall in that category. Carl Snowden, sir, thank you for joining us, giving us some insight on this. 
Thank you, sir. We Thanks for the invitation. Our pleasure. Today, uh, Richard. Always gonna bring somebody else. I know it. Come on, it's the people of color. See, you know, here, here we go with this skillful language again. And you get black folk people saying that now. Uh, uh, people of color. Uh, listen, I'm concerned about black people. These other people, they ain't concerned about you. Whether you're from the continent, whether you're from the dispersed in the United States, dispersed in the islands, dispersed in South America. And if you're black, you're a black person. People of color. Now, when Asian gets beat up, he can get on that. He can get on Emmett till alert because he's of color. These people are a joke, man. They're a joke. They need to be exposed. Our people need to stop voting for these clowns, supporting these clowns. I don't care who they are. We get caught up in too many of these popularity contests. Obama's, the Karen, the Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. We get caught up in too much foolishness. These people don't care nothing about you. We have to get law enforcement, military people, um, even the lawyers. We have to get ordinary people head of these, um, even if they're the old ones, they're still around who really have the heartbeat and the compassion for the, for black people and in these organizations, because you, you, you see more and more these here um, law enforcement people are the people who are developing these policies. Now it ain't for Americans. Now it's for people of color and it wouldn't even come out. It would have been came out like it was just Emmett Till. The symbol is like it's for black, for folks. black people. But it's so for everybody. Question, and only the question came, well, you black people can't have nothing for yourselves. You know that, right? So is this for everybody? Because it wasn't including white people. It ain't a hate crime thing for all white. When Jews have, I don't even have to bring it up, but it, it, it ain't for everybody. And so, listen, go, go ahead, finish crazy. your thought. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's all. Let, let, and let me say this, because this, this, this directive comes from the quote-unquote top. And when I say top, I'm talking about the white folks dictate to some of the top black officials the language they supposed to use, and they use it. Now, here's an example of what I'm talking about. I'm going to play two examples before we take a break. Here's Kamala Harris uh, when, when she announced, and this was in March, when they announced the Emmett Till anti-lynch bill, did it on the White House lawn with her boss standing there, Joe Biden. Listen to what she says in the beginning to prove my point. Let me play this. You who have written about it, maintaining your family's legacy of speaking truth always. So thank you. It's good to see everybody. President Biden, members of Congress, I have to shout out to the CBC, um, to my fellow Americans, thank you all. So lynching, well, we know it's a stain on the history of our nation. Since our founding, and in particular, in the century following the Civil War, thousands of people in states across our nation were tortured and murdered by vigilantes. They were dragged from their homes. They had ropes wrapped around their necks. They were hanged burned, drowned, and dismembered. 
often, as the president said, as their families were forced to watch. Richard, did you hear what she just said? Yeah. Thousands of people was dragged from their home by vigilantes, and they were hanged, burned, to visit, you know, thousands of people. Dragged from their home. What people? <laughs> she don't say thousands of people were dragged from their homes. What are you talking about? Mm. By vigilantes. What vigilantes? Who were they? Why this ambiguous language when it comes to pointing the finger of blame at these Europeans? But she said there is no racism. Well, maybe that's why she said that. But I'm saying that... This directive of using this language, white folks always try to play games, but now they instruct some of your leaders to use the same language. Listen to Cory Booker when he's this, he's been interviewed by this guy asking him about racism directly. And I, I think brother Otis, because he shared this with me and it's been two months before I got around to, uh, to getting it out. But let me, let me play this. This is, this is another example First, it was Kamala Harris with uh, this gobbledygook talk around language. Now, listen to Cory Booker doing the, basically the same thing. Darn, if I can find it, where it is? Oh, here it is. Hold on. And, and so, look, I, so yes, so, so I really want to get into the practical, but I, I want to start with the heart, please, because this idea that the bigotry that that is evident in this country is somehow an american problem no bigotry is a human problem and i can show you all around this country all around this world what has been the investment of americans Mm -hmm. uh, as blacks took up arms in every war to fight for this country from crispus addicts the first person to die arguably in america Mm -hmm. to uh, men and women who are fighting now is is fighting for an idea and an ideal that this could be a, a nation that represents the best of humanity. The story of America, to me, is a story of people trying to make this a more perfect union where we are a multicultural democracy based around principles and ideals mm-hmm. and not race, not ethnicity, uh, but the best of our spirit. And so, why would that be hard? I mean, it just it sounds like such a, such a basic premise. Of- I, I mean, you, you and I have talked about this. People don't understand how fragile democratic ideals are. Right. They, they really are, far more than people think. So I, 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 I have problems with language like they because... It's too generalized. Yeah, it's sweep everybody. I, that. I try to tell my staff, I don't want to... Don't write me a speech where I call, say the Republicans. Right. Because that's whipping up 60 million Americans, 70 million Americans. Right. You hear that, Richard? That's why they don't want to call a spade a spade, so to speak. They don't want to whip up their brethren. They don't want to offend white people. So when you hear me saying that, I ain't just, oh, that man just talking out of his head. No, you heard this guy say it out of his own mouth. They don't want to offend 60 or 70 million white folks by saying they or white people have been. Wait a minute. He said that this, this stuff is an American problem. Did you hear him when he said that, Richard? Yeah. First, he said, wait a minute now. Because he, he had to get, he had to, he fumbled there. Yeah, he, he, said, he fumbled through the whole thing. Go ahead. He, he said American. And then he said, it's a, you know, a, a global problem. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't just here now. You know, these Negroes is crazy. 
they, they just, I mean, I, I, but, I don't, you know, hey, look, Elliot, when I go down that road, that stuff turns my stomach. Yeah. Because it, 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 it goes beyond my mind, you know, because it don't, it don't add up. Like you go to Crispus Addicts and you go to American uh, principles, but you don't make the point that the American principle of even, you know, all men are created equal didn't include the Africans they brought in. Now, it was, that was not the principle to the Africans who became citizens or who, who claimed themselves to be American. They didn't, from, from when they said all men are created, they meant all men. And they were fighting against, literally fighting against those who were actually engaged in the economic, political, and military enterprise of making sure that all men didn't mean all men. And they eliminated a whole group of other people <laughs> who were already here, who gave them their first breakfast. Uh, <laughs> We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, you can get involved and, uh, at uh, throw something in the mix here. You can do that by dialing 215. 490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We'll be right back. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG 
Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you black family, to join your interconnected you black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you in color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. 
and we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. listening to Time for an Awakening, Time for an Awakening, with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's, <clears throat> it's 8. 38 in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And uh, you can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Let's go to the phones, 404-44. Let's put them on hold. Let's go to 602. 602. Yes, brother Elliot. I'm brother Richard. Brother Marcus here. How are you, sir? Doing all right. You know, all what a white man trying there, that's uh, exercising futility. Because while he over there doing all that stuff in, in, in Europe and in Africa, he ain't watching the fire that's taking place right in his backyard. See? The fire is right here. And it's coming. It's coming. So... All that he's doing there, he's trying to shore up 
what he, you know, sure up whatever he could save. But he can't save it, brother. He can't save himself because his own house here is imploding. His society is imploding. You see it every day. Every day you see the killing. You see the violence. See, it's a boomerang effect. Whatever you put out, it's going to come back. And it's come back. It's right here. So what they're trying, I, you know, all that he's doing, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, just prepare yourself here because this place, I say, it's collapsing. See, you know, it's like Humpty Dumpty. You remember that poem, Humpty Dumpty, had a great <laughs> fall? All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. So, hey, while you over there creating chaos, chaos is right here at his door. Anyway, you keep on keeping on. <laughs> Thanks for your contribution, brother. No problem. All right. Uh, let's go back to four four. Maybe they back back at the phones. Four four, are you there? No four four. Uh, Richard, before I uh, go to the next call, let me um. <clears throat> you saw that the that the announcement. I think it came uh, Thursday or whatever, about the, the Wednesday or something like that. It came about that money. Hey, Brother Ellis. Brother Ellis, you hear me, man? I hear you. Were you asleep? You fell okay, asleep? No, I, no, man. I keep my phone. You know how it is. It's AI crap, man. But look here, man. I agree with Brother Marcus. Okay, and I asked uh, Dr. Rogers and Oshie this question, man. Okay, we... We 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 could all quote what our predecessors did, our heroes. They want us to do what they did, not idolize them. So, this is my question to Richard and a lot of other brothers. Okay, now's the time. I say let's do like uh, what is his name? Let's say cash your buckets down where you are, Booker T. Washington. So my question is to Richard. You remember the NIA, right? Universal Negro Improvement Association, right, Richard? Yeah. So my question to you is, how many members are there in that group, man? Do you know? No, I don't know. I don't know the exact number now. No. Well, uh, my point is, man, okay, it's been 100 years since Honorable Marcus Garvey was here. Every week we quote Marcus Garvey, quoting this and that. All right, so universal improvement, Negro improvement, man. I'd like to join, man. If we could just come up with one damn thing to sell some two pigs or a damn T-shirt. My email address is, is uh, supremeintelligent65 at gmail.com, man. I'd join, man, if we get together and just start one business, man. I, I'm 65, man. I want to try to need something uh, uh, for, the, for the people coming after me, man. And I like to do it with uh, uh, Marcus Garvey, UNIA, man. It's business time, man. I, I, I ain't got time to be complaining about these gatekeepers. It's time to go around them, man. Okay, it's good to point them out. Time to go around them, and, and let's do this thing, man. All right, so you get together next week, man. That's your mission. Tell me how many people in the NIA, man, UNIA, and then we get together and sell some damn toothpicks or something, man, a T-shirt or something, man. I, I'm tired of just talking about our, our leaders, man. Okay, analyzing them 
hell they play they, they recorded week after week, man. It's time to do something, man. It's time to go ahead and just do the thing, man. I'm serious, man. So I leave that out there like that before I start cussing, man. I'm ready to do something, man. All right, I got two or three little dollars. I like to make a donation or something where the UNIA start a business, man. Or something, man. God, it's killing me, man. I'm tired of talking. I'm going to leave myself, man. So that's my plan, man. Richard, please give me some numbers, man. Please. I'll work. I'll, work. I'll see if I can work on that. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. I love y'all, man. It's time to do this thing, man. All right. Thanks for your contribution. Uh, well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that, Richard. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> let me let me share a little bit of this before I go to because there's two calls that popped up on here. Let me uh, before I go to them. Let me read this here. Uh, the question it was in uh, the Grio and uh, the question. The header was a question. It says, is Biden's student loan debt forgiveness plan equitable for black borrowers? Uh, let me read a little bit of this. It says, the White House announced its much-anticipated program to cancel student loan debt for millions of Americans. Uh, and address the disproportionate impact that debt has on black borrowers. The Biden-Harris administration noted that its plan, which forgives $10,000 for those making less than $150,000 a year and up to $20,000 for Pell recipients, advances racial equity and targets relief to borrowers with the highest economic need. President Biden is very, very sensitive to racial equity in this country, says Leisha Kantz. Alicia, Keisha, I'm telling Alicia, Keisha Lance Bottoms, former Atlanta mayor and senior advisor to Joe Biden, told the Grio in a recent interview, we know that many black and brown communities are saddled with student debt. The Biden-Harris administration has said that the racial disparities in student debt were top of his mind when developing this plan. So, much of the assets and actions likely to help narrow the wealth gap. Student debt, excuse me, according to the report from the U.S. Department of Ag Education, black college graduates have averaged nearly $53,000 in student loan debt compared to 28000 for white graduates. Even worse, one study found that black borrowers who began their undergraduate studies in 1995, still owe 95% of the debt 20 years later. We know that this is going to be a game changer, says Lisa Keisha Lance Bottoms of the Student Forgiveness Plan. Despite the administration touting relief for black borrowers, its student debt forgiveness program received criticism. Some advocates says that $10,000 is not enough. Others contend that 125000 salary is not the same economically for the black borrowers as it is for white borrowers. And there's an omission. Uh, I'll just stop there because I don't want to go any further with, in reading that. Uh, but let me, let me share this information. 
in reference to something that was said in the article. Uh, I'll just uh, read a little bit further into that. <clears throat> it, this is from a uh, published report on educationdata.org talking about student loan debts by race. <clears throat> I'll just read some of these uh, high points. Black and African-American college graduates owe an average of 25000 more in student loan debt than white college graduates. Four years after graduation, 48% of black students owe an average of 12.5% more than they borrowed. Black and African-American students are, more, are most likely to struggle financially due to student loan debt, while 29% making monthly payments of $350 or more. Scientists, economists, sociologists agree that racial and ethnic variations in student loan debt and repayment are the result of socioeconomic factors rather than physical or inborn characteristics. Black students' bachelor degree holders have an average of $52,000 in student loan debt. Four years after graduation, 48% of black students owe an average of 12.5% more than they borrowed. During the same period, 83% of white students owe 12% less than what they borrowed. 66% of black borrowers are report they regret having taken out student loans to fund their education. Richard, let me ask you a question. Go. Uh, knowing that, you know, we talked on this program about the, the redlining, racism going on there, the, the banks, uh, Redlining of black folks. Uh, the uh, report that came out that uh, that black people's uh, credit rating was being messed up. They blamed it on algorithms because it mentioned black folks. It didn't mention any other nationality. So maybe the algorithm just pointed, uh, just uh, kind of fished you out. Um, business loans not going to black folks. We just seen where the money allocated for debt relief for black farmers, the rug was pulled out because banks said that they didn't want to do that for black people. Now, all of a sudden, this student loan forgiveness comes up. But something I'm scratching my head at, maybe you can help me, Richard, because I'm no economist. How, four years after graduation, now this, this is just used as a baseline, 48% of black borrowers owe on average 12.5% more than they borrowed. At the same period, 83% of white students owe 12% less than what they borrowed. Does that have something to do with the interest rate that you might be paying on a loan? That's what I would think. I would think. And that that the white borrowers have enough um, income because you, if you, I, and I, again, I don't know, but for people dealing with mortgages, it's the same thing. Because you can pay on your principal and your interest, right? Mm-hmm. Which when you pay the pr- interest, when you pay the principal down, 
then the interest on the loan is there. But you have to have an income that's sizable enough to where you can do that. Can you do that? Exactly. Right? That's that's one. Or you have to have a family network where they have a relationship where one may pay the interest and the other one pay the principal because they are transferring wealth, um, whether it be their homes or whatever. Well, one thing that as I was listening to this article and maybe being it's anecdotal and, and coming out of personal experiences, it's also the parents of the students when they start college, even if both of them are working, they're not at their maximum salary uh, ability by the time that their child who goes to college is in college. Unless, again, they are they have a job where their income, because you, you imagine someone who has uh, a child somewhere around 18 or 20, by the time they're ready to go to college, they're 38, you know, 40. They're just getting to the point where their income may be rising, depending on the type of job they're in, right? Um to where by the time they get their child is going to college, they have to take out a loan because they don't have the assets for them to be able, for the parents to be able to get that loan. Some of them had credit challenges at their early, from their 20s through their 30s, they created credit challenges for themselves that they're just starting to get out of by the time they're 30. And then they're in a question of if they are purchased the house, you know, um, and, and the destabilizing of their relationship. So there's a lot of other factors, it seems to me, of why a young college student um, who wants to go to college and their parents, whether they're together or separated, will want them to go to college that they would have to take out a loan. And now the economy shifts to where interest rates are starting to go up. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, I just pulled up another article, and it kind of backs up what you stated about the uh, the economy, uh, and excuse me, the, the ability to pay. Let me read this. This came from the Brookings. It says, black-white disparity in student loan debt more than triples after graduation. It says, uh, over the years, black and white debt gap more than triples to a whopping $25,000 difference in interest accrual and the ability to pay uh, school borrowing lead to black graduates holding nearly 53,000 in student loan debt after the, uh, four years after their graduation. So it's just like you said, Richard, but the thing is this um, in cases like this, where they admit that it's because it's racism in every, every facet of this government, that's supposed to be fair to all citizens. They admit that even in the student loan borrowing, the interest rates and everything, it's racial disparities. So how is it fair for you to get, even if it's $10,000, you know, which is nothing, that's nothing uh, dealing with these the, the, the exorbitant money that these students have to pay back. But how, why am I getting $10,000 in uh and Susie or, or Biff is paying back $10,000. Is that fair? 
You know, I, you know, Elliot, I'm colored by, I think this is a midterm election political ploy. Oh, it is. No, no, listen, I clearly believe that it is, but I'm just, just going on the basis of even if it's true what they're saying, right, it's not right. even fair. That's not fair. That's not equitable for me to be paying back, getting a forgiveness the same as my white counterparts and colleagues when they already admit that the whole thing is racially biased in the paybacks, the interest rates, and even the loans. So how is it even fair for me and my white counterpart to be paying back, getting the same forgiveness? That's not fair. And and that's just the government loans. What about all the black um, students who have um, private loans from banks? They don't even address that. Oh, well, that, yeah, yeah. Well, you know where that's going. You know where that's going. <laughs> let me, let me go, go ahead. It's, a, it's, it's mess. Oh, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, and, and those students, um, it requires them to become more politically conscious than just saying they want, um, debt, debt forgiveness. I mean, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, debt forgiveness. Because of the, as the point they make, it's a lot of other factors that have to be taken in consideration that politically they'll be manipulated around. Yeah, well, according to Leisha, Leisha, Keisha Lance Bottoms, the former mayor of Atlanta, oh, everything is great because J- Joe Biden is sensitive to this. Yeah, okay. Let's go to 267. 267? Yes, uh, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, I was just thinking about that. That loan piece, I had some friends that uh, did PhD programs and had some friends that by this time it may be forgiven, but they might still owe somebody on an undergraduate level. I'm wondering if it's on a graduate level for maybe law school and also PhD programs, but I, I wish that it would be forgiven. I, it's probably it's a loophole. Some may be able to get it, some may not. That's that, 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 that's a good deal. If we could really get that because if anybody's suffering from that money, that we, we barred during those days. Um, it, 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 it's a hope to bring you down because when I came out of Lincoln, I, I was like, oh, I owe a couple bank loans. And I said, okay, I'll be all right. I was out for a couple of years and I saw a car or oh, income checks come. Boy, they took them income checks left and right. I'm happy they took them back then because I get debt with debt. When I did graduate school, I paid out of my pocket. They had the, the pay plan. You would pay so much every, every, uh, I think it was like every four weeks or whatever it was for that semester. But to clear up debt, if you could be able to do that, because that debt could stop you from getting a home, a car, a loan for you, for, for whatever you want to get. So that's a good move, but it might look to it because everybody's not, everybody's not going to qualify for it. And they talk about 10 to 20. Ten for some people, twenty for some. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm, I'm going to bring up something, brothers, if y'all don't mind. I'm going to say to y'all, I'm looking at this case coming up with Donald Trump, and I'm going to say to you, of course, he tried to overthrow a government, him and his band of crooks, and of course he took documents from the White House. My question to you is, are they going to slap him on the wrist? Or are they going to jail him? Uh, well, uh, d- d- does it really make a difference? Huh? Does it really make a difference? 
You're right, Elliot. It doesn't really make a difference, but I want to see what they're going to do with the situation. And what I mean by that is that um, the, the, does America have America has a pseudo democracy, or do they want a dictatorship? They have a pseudo democracy. Well, when you say dictatorship, to be honest, uh, since we've been here, we've been dictated to. The parameters of us living in this country have been dictated to, and I'm talking about black people, by by the powers that be, by the European government. We've been oh, dictated yeah, we to. We just look at it as visitors. We just look at it as visitors. Well, so we, we've always lived under a dictatorship as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, listen, black folks focus in on this Trump, Trump, Trump. Listen. Trump can go to jail, pass away tomorrow. What he did and all of the people that think like him is thousands of them out there. And a lot of them in politics and a lot of them are still in politics now. So the next time they run, it's another one that's going to come up just like him or or worse. So, you know, we got bigger fish to fry than to personally be worried about whether he's going to jail because it really doesn't make a difference. You're right. Now, what about the student loan piece? What do you feel? How do you feel? Well, I already mentioned how I felt about in reference to that. I don't think it's a, with the, the the amount of student loan debt, according to their own statistics, the black for uh, black people on an average carry a fifty three thousand uh, dollar student loan chunk that they got to deal with. Right. So I don't think ten thousand that might cover the interest rate, and then plus the the wording says up to ten thousand, so that don't necessarily mean you're getting ten thousand dollars. It says up to ten thousand dollars. I thought it was. I thought it was ten and twenty thousand. Yeah, one of them is up to twenty thousand for for government ones, and for the other one, the Pell or whatever, it's up to ten thousand dollars. Oh, very good. Okay. All right. So I mean, I you know maybe some folks would think that maybe it will help some folks out. Some people have complained that it ain't helping out none. In fact, some of the quote unquote uh, uh, leadership. I think the guy from the NAACP, for one of them, said that they were promised $50,000 that the black students was going to get $50,000 knocked off their loans. That was what he said when he was running. Right. $50,000 went down to ten quick. Sure. Yeah. All right, brothers. Eat the shake, baby. Talk to you. Right. Let's go to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Elliot. Good evening, Brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? Good. Well, our praises be to Allah. First, Brother Elliot, before I talk about any of this ugly matter, let me uh, just say to you and Brother Richard, and the time from Wicked Listener, when it's around the country and around the world, I want to, you know, express my sincere condolences. You know, I'm, I'm the time for waking listeners to the way that we lost Sister Ava Muhammad Friday. You know, the spokesperson for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And, you know, and if, as you well know, Brother Ellen and Richie, you know, you had on her shorty a couple of years ago when she mm-hmm. was dynamic, you know, going around the country, you know, t- you know going to college campuses, black churches, you know, mosques, synagogues, whatever, you know, community centers, talking about the importance of separation from this Caucasian, this European, if you will, and everything. She was well-received, and, of course, the Jews, the Zionists, was attacking her. They tried to keep her from speaking at San Diego State 
the other year, but that was the, but the Black Student Union prevailed, and that was unsuccessful, you know. But uh, yeah, she um, she made transition uh, Friday, and uh, she was 71 years old, which is not an old age, as you all know. And I'm always, you know, have my suspicions on her death, you know, whether it was just a natural thing of, of God or nature, or whether she was, you know, took taken out. I mean, that's my own personal preference. I'm like, but I have to put that out there because I'm always of suspicion when these things happen to healthy people like that. And, uh, you know, she's going to be missed because she was a mother, grandmother, author, lawyer, brilliant lawyer. Uh, matter of fact, she helped uh, my, my, my personal PCP, who's Muslim, help her fight off because the, the, the pharmaceutical companies was trying to shut my personal doctor down. One of my doctors, you know, my two doctors are Dr. Shabazz and Dr. Burton. But she was trying to, well, the, the, the system was trying to shut Dr. Shabazz down because she refused to stop prescribing ivermectin for her patients. And because uh, she hasn't lost a patient yet, same as Dr. Burton, they got a, a pro record, an undefeated record, and not losing patients that was on ivermectin to fight COVID-19. And, uh, and, 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 and Sister Ava was, was was very prominent in my doctor's defense and stuff. She helped her win her case against the government for trying to shut her down. And, 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 my, and for my doctor will always be thankful for Sister Ava's help and stuff because she was brilliant in her defense of Dr. Shabazz. You know, and, and like I said, she's going to be well missed, man, because when she was on the show that time with you and Brother Richard, how outstanding she was, man. And uh, it's a big loss. I mean, now it's a big loss for her family person, which is obviously the most important thing. But, but Sister Ava's passing is a loss for, for black folks, for the Muslim community, and humanity, the larger community, and the Muslim community at large, and, and, and the humanity as a whole. Her loss is, is definitely, uh, uh, you know, because no, you know, because it was so sudden, it wasn't like she was happened sick or anything. And that's why my suspicions go up, you know. And it's a big loss, man, because I tell you, she was just a brilliant lady, and I just want to express my condolences to her family, to 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 to, to the nation of Islam, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and others that's grieving her loss right now. Because again, she will, she definitely will be missed, Elliot. And I want to thank you, brother Elliot, for letting me express that. Okay. No, no problem. You know, and, and you know, you know. Uh, you know, brother Ellie, let me let me just say this. You know, when you was talking, see, Ellie, you you much too nice, Ellie. When you was talking about, then you played that clip of Corey Book. Oh, let me say this first, Ellie, because you I had to get a little, try to get a little Herman. <laughs> I had to laugh, brother, when you was talking about the student loan and the disparity between black folks and their white counterparts. <laughs> you use typical white names. You use Susan and Beth. I had to laugh, Ellie. I'm going to chop the phone out of my hand. I said, well, it's different the way how, how they deal with when Susan get her loan or Beth get their loan. And I'm saying to myself, that's a typical white person's name, Beth, Susan, Karen, whatever. That was funny, Ellie. I don't know if you meant it to be that way, but it was a good, hey, it, it, it made me get a chuckle out of that Beth and stuff. Yeah, because who, what black person don't name their children Beth, you know what I mean? So, yeah, well, it ain't funny when that loan's got to be paid back. I know that. What's the hell it? I said it ain't funny when them loans got to be paid back. That, that's for sure. And see, but see, like you said, Biff and Susan and Karen, they don't have to get that. They don't get hit with that high interest rate like their black, like their black counterparts get hit with. That's the difference. You know what I mean, Elliot? That's and that's a big difference. They they get all kinds of like you said breaks. And, and, and Brother Richard explained it pretty good too. And he said how they, how they you know when it comes to the interest rates and 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 and, 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 and maybe their credit rating and stuff. You know black people always don't don't never get judged fairly when it comes to credit. They'll give a white person that got piss poor credit a uh, high rating, and a black person that got perfect score can get, don't still don't get a, 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 a 
low interest loan from the bank or mortgage, whatever. I mean, this stuff goes on time and time again. And that's something else, like you said, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, that our black uh, that our black misleadership don't talk about. They say, like you say, Brother, they can't be the town crier. They can't get out there on, on these press conferences and point these disparities out. I mean, what are they here for? Like I said before, and you mentioned it just now, like we keep on voting for these people, man. Like I said, as long as we keep on voting for these individuals on the city, state, and federal level, we're going to still get what we get. It can, it can be 20 years from now, and if Almighty God allowed the most high, whatever you want to call the supreme being, whatever name you, 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 you prescribe to him, as long as you keep voting for these individuals, you're going to keep getting, as long as you get voting for the Corey Bookers, the, the, the Hakeem Jeffries locally, the Dwight Evans of the world, you're going to get what you're going to get. The Clyburns, these niggas ain't, ain't about overturning. Keisha Lance Bottoms, they, they ain't about overturning no white supremacist and fight. They want to be comfortable with this white man's foot up their ass because they live in large while people living and from hand to mouth. And, and Ellen, when you played that clip of Cory Booker, like I was just getting ready to say, Ellen, you much too nice because uh, when you when that Negro got up there and, and, and said he didn't want to offend his white, the, 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 the white man or whatever, basically what he was saying, cutting through the chase, I'm saying to myself, I wouldn't even call Cory Booker a, a Negro. When he met, when you played that clip a few minutes ago, Ellen, I'm going to tell you what I said. This is what I'm standing by. This is not what the time from Wigan. Listen to what this is saying, or you and Richard say, I'm saying this. He sounds just like a nigga. You heard I just said, Elliot? He sounds just like a nigga when he said that. I mean, I'm saying, what a spotless nigga that sit up there and don't have enough damn heart to call out, you call out this white man for what he was. How you going to sit there and tell myself, I don't want to offend these people and and then you got Kamala with this nonsense about, well, you know, um, the American thing. Well, I mean, come on, man. Well, white people, say Europeans are white people. They, they, you, these niggas can't even bring their stuff to say that. Who are these people? These like you said, these, these damn people didn't drop off the damn, out the damn planet somewhere off Uranus or Mars. These are white people that did like They make sense and say, well, you know, the, 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 these men that killed Emmett Till. These was white savages. These was white men that did this Emmett Till. Like you said, white animals, including that, that skank that's still living now. Who 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 right now should be in the end of the jail right now if not dead? I mean, stop playing games with these with stuff. But, but let's come to these white Jews. Them niggas don't have. Think about what I'm saying, brother Alan Richard. These niggas don't have no problem. And I mean no problem saying, oh, it's a shame of what, what, what happened to these Jews in Israel. You know, Israel has a right to defend itself. We, 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 we stand with Israel. Them racist bastards over there in, in, in Occupied Palestine, they got no problem saying that. But when it comes to their own people being mistreated by these white folks and stuff, they can't even say the word white or European. They dance all around a damn uh, a tree. Oh, 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 Americans, uh, whatever. The American system, that you know. Uh, uh, I mean, come on. I mean, it's all, they say all kinds of BS, man. You know, I just, I'm telling you, Brother Ellen Richard, I get so tired of these Negro spilelessness, man. They got no heart whatsoever, man. And, and let me say these last couple things, and, and, I, and, I, and I promise, Brother Ellen, I get off because I want to, you know, monopolize all the time. We got maybe a couple more other callers to go to. To show you, Ellen, how deep this thing is. Now, don't this country always say you got freedom of speech, right, Ellen? And Richard, yeah. that's what they say, right? Mm-hmm. All right. But you know that's a misnomer. That's only for white folks and stuff. I've got an article that I just got out of the, the inquiry. Uh, let me just before I talk, but let me tie this together real quick. Like you said, this nonsense how black people go for the BS about, well, you know, I don't want them Africans and Jamaicans. But like you said, these Europeans don't do that. Like you said, Biden, I'm looking out for the European brother. 
Everybody got enough damn sense to look out for their people except the Negro. They, they're the misguided, the honorable life Muhammad said, the, the stiff-necked, misguided Negro who misguided, not because he's stupid or, or better, but because he got the damn misblack leadership you know, leading him in the wrong direction. Case in point, that the paper, who when we quote the other article from, they got an article that was in a paper just last week with, with the Arab... Muslim Alliance, and basically what it's like a two-page article that one of the Philadelphia papers did here, where they, where you have uh, brothers and sisters coming from the different Arab countries to America. I mean, let me give you a brief rundown of the countries: Iraq, uh, Libya, uh, Pakistan. You know, you name it. Uh, you know, the United Arab Emirates, whatever. But the bottom line is, one of the spokesmen, one of the Muslim brothers and stuff, they were sitting down having having lunch at one of the, at one of the restaurants at one of the immigrants. Muslim immigrants, they just came to open up a restaurant, and he was saying that reforming this thing is he said not only as Arabs but as Muslims too. He said to protect ourselves against racial discrimination and violence against people of our. He said so. He said it doesn't matter whether I'm an Iraqi or a Libyan or whether I'm a, a Pakistani, whatever, or whether I'm a Moroccan. I'm, we are Arabs. He said and we and we and we. He said you attack one, you attack us all. Don't they sound? So what Brother Malcolm said in that speech you play, Elliot and Richard, when Malcolm said, when you attack one black man, you attack them all. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what he right. said. And that's basically what that Muslim brother was saying. The Arab brother was saying the same thing, too. He said, we don't look at it as, as, as I, he said, I don't consider myself. He, he, he said, even though I might be an Iraqi, I don't separate myself from my Moroccan brother. We are Arabs. He said, so when this racist system attacks us with the Islamic phobia and anti-Muslim bigotry, he said, we stand together as one. And I'm saying, also, that's what black people need to have that same attitude, too. So, so, so when you attack a brother from, from whether he's from, from Uganda or Liberia or Jamaica, he's still our people and stuff. When Brother Marcus called, Brother Marcus clearly has a Jamaican accent. Brother Marcus is my brother. I don't separate Brother Marcus like these some of these silly Negroes get, get caught up in this now. I don't want them people around. They from Africa. They from Jamaica. The white man don't do that. Like you said with Biden, he support his brethren. He's, he's making sure that them, 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 them devils over there in Ukraine get all the money while he's taking money right from the black farmer's uh, uh, mouth. And these handkerchief-haired black leaders on a federal level ain't over their damn mouth. They don't have, like you said, they don't have enough heart to be the town crier. It's a disgrace, man. It is an absolute disgrace. Okay, how you you cut it, slice it, and dice it? It's disgraceful. And for them, for this black leadership, not to even point this this, this stuff out, it's disgraceful. But let real quick, I like some tired of this, this, this freedom of speech stuff up. Like I said, this freedom of speech stuff only applies to white folks. And that same paper that I was talking about about the Muslim brothers was this beautiful Muslim sister. Beautiful sister. She just she she was she got she's an athletic trainer. She got hired at one of the suburban schools outside of Philadelphia, private school. The woman is so qualified. She's 25 years old. She is she's like a prodigy. She is so intelligent, so skilled in athletic training and proudness that she's more qualified. According to them, this is what the European is saying, she got more talent and more skill level than people that's on a pro level, that, 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 that train athletic trainers for some of these pro football and basketball teams. This is how good this sister is. And she loved her job working out there at, the, at this private school outside of Philadelphia. Well, she thought she got fired because she expressed pro-Palestinian views. Now, she didn't call nobody a cracker. She didn't call nobody a cracker Jew. She didn't say nothing. All she said on her, on her personal website, and again, this will be freedom of speech, she said, I'm pro-Palestinian. She said, I, she said I hurt, it hurts me and pains me when I see how Israel treat my Palestinian brothers and sisters over there with the killing of Palestinian children. She said, not one 
outcry from the United States, the United, the United Nations, the United States, the Biden administration. Mostly said, well, one you get killed, and the whole world. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing I've been saying over here and stuff. She said, but she said this stuff, this double standard has got to stop. That's all the sister said. She was fired from her job because she was accused of being anti-Semitic and anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian. She lost her job. Well, presently, Elliot, to make a long story short, presently she's been represented by. Brother Timothy Wellblock, who's the who's the attorney for for care. That's the Council on American Islamic Relations, which I'm a proud member. I've been a member since 2016, I guess it's been and stuff. I'm a proud member. Well, he's handling her case right now. And what I'm gonna tell you what these what these racist Zionist Jews have did to her. Not only did she lose her job out there, Ellen Richard, and this is important for our time to listen to this reveals that the tentacles these people have. She's been blacklisted every time, everywhere she applied for a job with other schools. They turn her right down. If they she get turned down flat, they don't put the word out on her. They try, they trying to ruin her sister. Twenty five years old, so she can't even get a job to make a living. This is how hateful and vile and evil and mean spirit these people are. Is this bad enough? They think they cost her her job out there for expressing her freedom of speech as a so called American, her freedom of speech. But damn it, they trying to blackball her where she can't even get a job in, 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 at another school. I mean, these people don't stop, man. It, it almost it, it's almost. Uh, uh, our late brother Johnny Sample, because you know Johnny was an outspoken brother back then, and it's, I mean, of course there's some 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 difference in their cases. But same thing, they tried to uh, blacklist Johnny back then because Johnny was speaking out against racism and everything back then. And see, Johnny didn't say I was see, he was blackballed. Johnny put the put the put the blame where was that? He said, brother Joe, I was they was trying to whitebar me because damn ain't no black people was trying to do that to me back then. It was the white people. So Johnny said they were trying to whitebar me out of the NFL back then. You know what I mean? But this is what they saying about this sister. She being blacklisted when actually in reality she being whitelisted or Zionist listed, if you will. You know what I mean? All because she says she's pro-Palestinian. I mean, it, 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 but but never mind the fact that you had the white Jewish rabbi over there in Israel a few years ago called black people monkeys and apes and all that kind of stuff. A Jewish talk show host here in Philadelphia on a conservative station called a black woman a black bitch two days in a row. All that stuff is okay. And again, our spineless black misleadership don't open up their damn mouth to say nothing. I, I'm I'm telling you, Brother Elliot, I get so tired of these Negroes, man. They make me want to puke. I mean that sincerely. They make me want to puke this spineless cowardness, man. They are sickening. And that's all I want to say, Elliot. Thanks for letting me explain. I'm like, I'm like Brother West. If I stay on any more long, I might start cussing, like Brother West would say. Thanks, man. Put me on mute, Elliot, and I'll listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome. Bridget? Yes, yes. Uh, come up to the end of another program, man. Um, get that. I'm gonna get that. Start working on that calendar for September. Um, I do know that uh, 